Are we ready? Ready for the word? I love this passage. If you've got a Bible, turn me to Psalm chapter 23. If you're visiting today, we are midway through a series looking at Psalm chapter 23, arguably one of the most famous psalms in all of Scripture. And, uh, and so we've just been tiptoeing through one verse a week, just chipping away at it and, and seeing what we can sort of lies beneath the surface. And what I hope really from doing this, this series is that we would see Psalm 23 as more than just uh, a nice uh, text reading that you would hear at a funeral to bring sort of hope or comfort. Um, it is absolutely appropriate and beautiful in that space, but I think there's far more to learn and glean from this than just that. I would hope that you would see this psalm as far more than a kitschy little bookmark that Nana bought you from the sales section of Kurong uh, that you put in your Bible, uh, because it is far more than that as well. There is so much rich truth that's applicable for us today in Psalm 23 than perhaps we've ever thought or known before. So it's a little, little brief flyover recap. So the Lord is my shepherd. So straight off the bat, King David is identifying uh, the Lord, God, Yahweh, as our shepherd. And therefore, by sheer osmosis, we are sheep. Silly, silly sheep, us human beings. And uh, I know that might be offensive to some, but let's be honest, we are pretty dumb sometimes. Um, like sheep, but the good shepherd is good and he will lead us and guide us well. So the Lord is our shepherd, we therefore are sheep. Uh, we shall not want. Some translations say we lack nothing. So automatically that puts the shepherd as our ultimate provider. He will look after us, he will care for us, protect and provide for us. We shall not want. He, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He provides nourishment for me. He leads me beside still waters. He brings me to places of rest, respite, restoration. He restores my soul. He leads me on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The Lord, even though I might walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for his rod and his staff. They actually comfort me. These pictures of what God is for us as our great shepherd is absolutely staggering. Let me get to verse 5 and it just gets better and better and better. It says, The Lord prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. It just gets better and better. Let's pray before we get into it any further. Father, I thank you for... This passage, I thank you for this service today. I thank you for all of the people who are here today, Lord, that have given their morning to be in your house, in your presence. Lord, I pray that it would be a moment of time that is invested into our souls and into our eternity, Lord God. And we just pray that you would do something transformative through the text this morning, Lord, that you would help me get out of the way so your spirit can flow through me and that your words would speak loud and clear to our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's start in the first part of verse 5. The Lord prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemy. I love, I love the visual impact of that verse. I love that when I think about that, it's just like, wow, that's kind of a cool, cool piece of imagery. So I want to start, which I don't normally do this, but I'm going to start my message with my closing point. So there'll be no surprise as to where I'm going throughout the whole message, all right? So I'm going to start with my closing point. My closing point is this. 
You don't have to wait for your battle to be over to start enjoying your life. There's my closing point. You don't have to wait for the battle to be over before you start enjoying your life. See, the Lord is our shepherd. He prepares a table for us even when our enemies are present and there. It doesn't say the Lord prepares a table for me once I've got through my battles and have defeated my enemies and they're no longer present, then I can relax at the table he's prepared for me and enjoy what he has in store for me. Nope. The Lord is my shepherd. He prepares a table before, with, for me in the presence of my enemies. And here's what we as silly sheep do, right? We, we read that. We, yeah, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. But when we think about life, what we emphasize, what we focus on are our enemies. Now, our enemies in this passage are symbolic of our, our cares, our trials, our problems, our concerns. And so we, we go, yeah, I know that, you know, God prepared a table before me, but, but look, at, look at this. Look at this. This is, this is troubling. This is, this, is, this is tricky, man. My life is tough. And I wake up and that problem is still there. I've still got that, that issue with that person. I've still got that crisis on my hands. I've still got this problem. And we look at all the things around us and they capture our attention and, and our affection. They capture most of our energy. And we focus on the problems that surround us rather than the solution that's sitting with us. And if we're honest, we do that. We can focus on our enemies that are in our presence rather than the table that's been set before us. Deuteronomy 30 verse, 19, 30 verse 19 says this, I lay before you life and death, blessing and cursing, you choose. Which sounds very similar to what we're reading in Psalm 23 verse 5, I prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. You can choose who you focus on. You can choose to focus on the fact that I am with you. I've set a table for you. I'm here to provide for you. I've got everything you need that will sustain you. It's in him we live and move and have a being. We can focus on that being in Christ or we can focus on death and cursing. The enemies are surrounding us. Or we can focus on life and blessing. And God gives us that opportunity and says, you choose. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19. I remember this... Um, this story has caused a lot of trauma in my life, um, and, uh, and and with the help of a good therapist, I'm getting through it, so it's going to be okay. Um, but I, I remember, I'm joking by the way, just in case you're worried about me, I'm okay. Um, a bunch of years ago when I, was, I had this job and um, I was asked to go along, I was only in like, like my early 20s and so I was very green behind the ears, and I was asked to go along and represent the company at a Chamber of Commerce breakfast, and I had, honestly, I had no business being there at all. Like, I, I was not in any sort of management position. I was just a run-of-the-mill worker, but it was a small uh, company, and so everyone else was busy, so I was sent to represent the company there. I have no idea why we were even there in the first place. And so I, I was talking to this guy. I was so nervous, so shy, so intimidated, all these business people that knew stuff, and I knew nothing. And so... Um, uh, I worked in an outdoor rec center, right? So let's just paint the picture. And so everyone's wearing their, their suits and their ties and the shirts and the business attire looking good. And I've rocked up wearing like car keys and a polo, like I'm ready for adventure. And it was just awkward to begin with. And the shirt was tucked in. And anyway, I, I felt like a, a fish out of water completely. And so I struck up a conversation with this guy who was nice enough to talk to me. 
And so, oh, yeah, where are you from? And I uh, explained what my business was and, and what I was doing there and different things. And he's asked me questions. And the conversation was going along, I thought, quite nicely till his eyes started to just, yep, look past me. And I'm answering the questions and he's not listening. He's looking for someone else more interesting, um, more down his uh, field of um, expertise than me because he had no business with me he's like well, I'm never going to use this guy so I'm just going to go through the pleasantries of having a conversation in order to find someone else more important and so I'm standing the whole time just like talking to him watching his eyes go around the room till eventually he found someone he knew that he wanted to talk to he's like oh thanks so much and then just literally walked off and left me standing there by myself isolated and alone in a room full of people in a place I did not belong to be I was like, I, I felt crushed, I felt embarrassed, I felt cheap, I felt used and worthless. I was like, oh man, I just felt gross. And you might be thinking, well, that's not a big deal. Well, I'm a shy guy, so it sort of hurt my feelings a little bit. And it got me thinking about, when I was preparing this message, that story came to my mind, and it got me thinking about, I wonder if that's, time, that's sometimes how God feels about us. Like he's there, and he's prepared a table for us, and he sent his son to die for us and he's given us his word to lead us and guide us and he sent his Holy Spirit to empower us and comfort us and, and, and we're, thank you God, but we're looking to either our problems or we're looking for something that's more interesting or we're like, uh, yeah, I've got my career, I've got my thing and um, yeah, God's prepared a kingdom before me to be a part of but I'm looking to build my empire or something else until something, go- yeah, thanks God, I'll come back to you later and God the whole time is going, are you serious? I've, wow, I've prepared all... Okay. And you know what? God loves us so much, He allows us to do that to Him. Think about that. He allows us to reject or get distracted by or push aside other things that might seem more shiny and interesting rather than being at the table with Him. And as sheep, we do that. So I look at what are, what are, what are our enemies? God prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Our enemies essentially, I alluded to this before, are problems. Um, financial pressure, mental, emotional illness, relational breakdowns, health issues, temptations, bad habits, anger, lust, gossip, a bad boss at work, uh, family, just stuff going on there, our own, our own heart issues. These can be the problems that we face. And all of us have these problems in various measures and quantities and, and things like that. But what we need to understand is that the Lord has prepared a table for you in the presence of your problems. We don't have to wait to win the battles and overcome the problems before we enjoy the life God's created for and prepared for us. We can eat and drink and be merry in the presence of our problems, knowing that God has prepared a place for us to be with Him. That's the beauty of the God we serve. So what I'm not saying by that, because we can sort of screw this up a little bit, um, I'm not saying that it's okay for us to completely make a mess of our lives and commit habitual sin and um, live totally naive to the consequences of those decisions and then we go, I'm dining with Jesus. It's like, no, you're being a moron. You're not taking responsibility for the bad choices you have made in your life and you're ignorant to the fact that you need to right those wrongs and repent and get back on path with God. Like those problems exist, but if we create our own problems by bad choices, we can't live ignorant to that. We have to acknowledge those things, right? 
And then bring that before the foot of the cross and sit at the table with God and say, look, I'm sorry. I've made a mess of my life. I've made some pretty dumb choices. And, and Lord, I want to sit at this table in your presence with you and have you sort those things out with me, even though those things and those consequences might be going on all around us. What I'm not saying also is that we uh, ignore um, our problems and simply bury our head in the sand and think they'll go away. Go, oh, I'm with you. It's me and Jesus. It's okay. And it's like, no, well, sometimes part of the discipleship process for you is as in preparing a, a, a table for us in the presence of our problems is, is at that table there's going to be a dialogue, a conversation. There's going to be an interaction between us and the Lord where the problems around us, the enemies that are in our presence, God's going to give us strategies to then leave the table and outwork to fix and to solve. And if it's a, a relational breakdown issue, at the table that the Lord's prepared for you, he might give you strategies called, I don't know, repentance to go and offer to somebody else to bring restoration. Um, whatever our problems are, I, I think God wants us to overcome those things, but not at the expense of being apart from him, but being with him at the table. So, let's dig a little bit deeper, shall we? We shall. Let's do it. Continues to say that he anoints my head with oil. Interesting. Um, we don't see this practice nearly as often as I would like. Um, and what this is not talking about is some sort of remedy to a dry scalp. Although I would appreciate that because sometimes I get a little flaky up there. Um, but this is not what this, believe it or not, I know you're shocked. Really? I thought this was about, no, it's not about pert two in one. Um, he anoints my head with oil. There are different ideas about what this might mean and, and different speculations that are sort of cutesy and, and fit a, a cool story that would be fun to tell. But I don't want to go down those rabbit holes. I want to sort of take a more generic, um, wide lens view of what this would mean. And historically, the idea of uh, anointing or oil on the head is, is a representation of God's honor. Right, so, so honor would be placed or bestowed upon somebody. They'd be anointed with oil. Uh, it sort of means that there's this, this invitation, there's this drawing, there's acceptance, there's this welcome, there's this idea that, that God anoints us with oil and uh, as a symbol of enjoying company with us, that he has selected us, inv invited us, chosen us, and brings us in through his glory to be with him. It's his acceptance. So he's in the presence of our enemies. By default, we feel like an outcast. And if I go back to my analogy at the Chamber of Commerce breakfast, I felt like an outcast. Now, all those people were not my enemies. This is just an analogy. But, but whenever we find ourselves in the presence of our enemies, in the presence of our problems, we feel like an outcast. We don't belong. We shouldn't be there. But God has prepared a table before for us in the presence of our enemies and he anoints our oil which is a symbol of his acceptance his welcome his value his invitation to be with him there's this sense of you are now a a, a dignitary in the presence of the lord despite the problems and chaos of the circumstances around you that god has taken you from feeling an outcast to feeling like a son or a daughter at his table and if god is for you who could be against you if God has called you, if God has anointed you, if God has welcomed you, and if God has, has brought you into the table to sit with him, what does it matter what the problems around you say and what, what you might think or what they might be accusing you of? If he is for you, who can be against you? Let's go a little bit further. David continues to write, My cup overflows. So he prepares a table. 
He gives us dignitary status to be there at the table. And on that table is the cup that we drink from that overflows. This is talking about supernatural, abundant provision from God. Now, this is where we could go into like hyper-Pentecostal mode and go, you know, God's going to give you every blessing exceedingly abundantly more than you ever dream, hope, or imagine. And God's going to give you Ferrari in the driveway tomorrow. It's going to be amazing. Yes, Lord, pour it out. More, 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 more. If he does, great. I believe he absolutely can do that. But the reality is sometimes that's not how God works, that even though we might not feel the, the supernatural abundance or the supernatural blessing, or we might not feel like we've got the healing right now, we might not feel like we've got all this opulent excessiveness that God would have for us, we might not feel like we have it. What we have is his presence. And let me tell you this, he is more than enough. He is more than enough. One of the most difficult revelations to get, but it is the most powerful revelations to get, is this. If God was to not do one more thing for the rest of your life, he's already done more than enough. Let that sink in. Because most of us have got a lot of life to live, with a lot of problems to overcome, a lot of need, a lot of want, let's be honest, a lot of desire to be fulfilled. But if we can say today that if God doesn't do anything else for the rest of our days, he's already done more than enough to sustain me for the rest of my days. Because my cup overflows. My cup overflows with the goodness of God through salvation. That on the cross, Jesus paid the price for our sin in full. And then some. I'm not going to get too far ahead of myself, but then the next verse is, and surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Like, oh my dear Lord, I hope, that we are getting that Psalm 23 is so much more than a cool little magnet we put on our fridge. That it's actually this beautiful picture of the Christian life. That God has prepared a table for me in the midst of my chaos and my problems. He's invited me to be with him and sit with him and anointed me in a place of total acceptance and as, as his child. And he's poured into the cup and it's overflowing. So I will always have more than enough. Because he is more than enough. And as long as I'm sitting at a dignitary at the king's table, I shall not want. Because he's the good shepherd. He'll lead me beside still waters. He'll make me lie down in green pastures. He'll restore my soul. He'll lead me on paths of righteousness. But he doesn't promise to take away the problems or the enemies. He just promises his presence in the midst of those things. So my challenge to you, my challenge to myself is to become more present in his presence and not focus on our problems that surround that. That we all have a table to sit at. We all have a table that, that, that God has invited us to. And let's take our eyes off the problems around us and just simply be present with God who's in front of us. The Lord is our shepherd. I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me on paths of righteousness. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. His rod, his staff, they comfort me. You see, you belong. You have worth. The Lord invited you. The Lord lavished his grace upon you. You were chosen. You are worthy. You are loved. Your head is anointed with oil as a distinguished guest. Your cup overflows. 
The Lord has prepared a table before you in the presence of your problems. You don't have to wait for the battle to be won to start enjoying your life. If God is for you, who could be against you? There's this, there's this insidious thing in Christian culture where we've got to sort of got to be perfect before XYZ. It's like, man, where do we where do we get that from? I'm just I'm off notes at the moment, I'm sorry. Where do we get that from? If I could just overcome this problem, if I could just get better, if I could just get more self-discipline, if I could just not have this issue, if I could just be more financially free, I could I could give more money, if I could just do this, it's like, nope. Where where are we getting that from? That's that's this man-made Pharisee religious stuff. That somehow we have, we have earned our own salvation, therefore we'll earn our own righteousness and earn our own discipleship. The price has been paid in full. We just have to say thank you, Lord, and sit at the table he's prepared for us and drink from the cup that overflows and accept the invitation of the anointing that we are his distinguished guest. And watch what he does. So we don't have to Wait for the battle to be won. That health battle, that financial battle, the battle in your relationship, the battle with your kids, the battle with your health, the battle with your self-discipline, the battle with your diet, the battle with your lust, the battle with your flesh, the battle with your boss at work, the battle, the battle, the battle, the battle, the battle. We don't have to wait for those battles to be won to enjoy our life. The battle's his, right? If we simply yield, surrender, take the pressure off us trying to be perfect and simply sit at the table with the perfect and be present in the midst of our enemies and watch what God does next. Is there a place for discipline? Is there a place for us to... Of course there is. I'm not saying that we're we, to be lazy and apathetic, but it's not all on us. It's not about us doing more or being more. It's about us trusting more, us obeying more, not waiting for the perfect circumstance to, to enjoy the life that God has prepared for us. It's simply receiving it as his son, receiving it as his daughter, and saying, thank you, Lord, for this meal you've prepared for me. Thank you that you make me lie down in these green pastures. Thank you, Lord, for these still waters. Thank you that you are restoring my soul right now. I thank you, Lord, that, that I'm, even though I'm walking through this, the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear evil because I know that you're with me. Thank you, Lord, that your rod, your staff, they comfort me. What does that mean? Well, rod and staff is this, this correction and, and, and sort of rebuke tool. Like the, so there's comfort in knowing that God will defend us. And we use his rod to beat off lions and he'll use his rod to steer us away from danger. There is this sense of peace that God will protect us and guide us. He's a good shepherd. He's proven it time and time again. In my life, I'm sure in your life, and if we go through history, the billions of people who have found faith in Jesus over the last 2,000 years, their life has been dramatically changed by the good shepherd leading them on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for this incredible service we've had together. Thank you for a wonderful time of worship. Thank you that the kids have had a great time out in their C3 Kids program this morning. And 
Lord, I thank you for us here today as we've come around your word and unpacked what it means to to be sheep and to have you as a shepherd. Lord, I thank you that you would help us to not be so consumed with the problems we face, not be so emphatic about the enemies that are staring us down. But Lord, we would see that we have been invited to sit at your table that you have prepared for us that you've invited us, that you see us as family. And Lord, that we would just enjoy the extravagant provision that is your presence in the midst of our problems and trials. And Lord, help us to truly remember that we don't have to wait for the battle to be won in order for us to enjoy the life we've been given. Would you bless us today? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.